The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, you got uh, Chris Poots and Nate. Re- <laughs> Why do I always screw this up? You've got Chris Poots. <laughs> All right, let me do this one more time. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, in Garage Mahal, you have Pooty, you have P Nate, and you got our Dave guy. <laughs> Take four. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, we're in Garage Mahal. You got Pootie, you got P Nate, and you have the tech guru, Dave, on the knobs and dials over there. (laughs) You have uh, P Nate starting us off because we have a special episode for you. But before we get to the special episode, I just want to say we are part of the Rebel Alliance Media. Hopefully, you are enjoying all the podcasts on our lineup. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or whatever uh, podcast catcher you use, whatever app you use. Also check out rebelalliancemedia.com. You'll get all kinds of blog posts and uh, videos on culture that come out. Uh, Actually, check out the YouTube channel. We recently set up a YouTube channel and a lot of the stuff we release on Facebook, we've we've thrown over onto the YouTube channel and it's getting some some love and some hate, actually. (laughs) So, so, you know, YouTube is a great place for nasty comments. So we're getting some nasty comments. Great place. (laughs) Yeah, great place. For nasty comments. So uh, so go on over there and drop us your hate mail, your love mail, respond to some trolls and uh, and have some fun at the Rebel Alliance Media YouTube page. Yeah, don't feed trolls. Like, don't feed, never feed the like trolls. Just leave them. Yeah. Just let them be trolls. Um, trolls, be, trolls be trolls. Trolls be trolls. We got a really special episode. I'm actually excited for this episode. And I'll tell you after, I'll tell that you makes one of us. <laughs> but before before we do that, I have I have a feel good story for Rebel News today. Yeah, have a feel-good story for Rebel News. That never happens. Never happens. But it's, uh, it's important for a couple of reasons. Uh, and Chris is going to tell us why, because this is the episode where Chris tells us why. Um, but <laughs> so there's, uh, there was this, the biggest highway pileup in Newfoundland history. Which doesn't mean that it was all that huge, <laughs> but, but it was certainly the biggest one. Two cars and a buggy. Yeah, no. it was 15 <laughs> vehicles though. It's, oh, wow. That's a decent pileup. Um, but uh, the biggest pileup on a highway in Newfoundland history happened on February 18th. So it happened a little while uh, a little while back. Um, but there was a, a family um, that had a couple of boys and their family dog. They were traveling on the uh, on the highway, and they were one of the families that was involved in this pileup. So they'd been driving along the highway, they got into this pileup, and all of a sudden they're, they're you know, in this giant pileup. And they get out of the car and go to the side of the road, which was good because suddenly they saw a transport truck come and like turn their, turn their car into, I was going to say Swiss cheese, but whatever. Sure. 
So, um, so they, you know, they, they were saved Their Their car gets rear ended by other vehicles and, and everything gets, gets, uh, destroyed, but they're out of the vehicle. So there's, they're thankful that they're safe, but come to discover that the family Shih Tzu, the beloved family dog is wandered away into the wilderness of Newfoundland. <laughs> now they were from out of province and so they couldn't find the dog. They went and visited the family. They end up, they end up going home without their dog. Um, and they posted on social media that they were involved in the collision and uh, in this big uh, thing and that they were, um, so their social media post said, uh, you know, please share this. We lost our dog at the crash site um, on February 18th. He's 18 pounds, black and white Shih Tzu and is very nervous. He was wearing a collar around his neck with our number on it, yada, yada, yada. If you've seen this Shih Tzu and then there's a picture of him, if you've seen the Shih Tzu, let us know. So somebody sees the Shih Tzu. And gets in touch with the family. Oh, nice. They found the Shih Tzu. So the, the, the dad gets on a plane, flies back to Newfoundland, goes to the person who found the dog. Now, the person found the dog, saw the dog, but the dog wouldn't come to them. Interestingly, even their social media post said he's very nervous. <laughs> so apparently he's too nervous to go to strangers, which is maybe a good thing. But so he runs away from Stranger this guy. Stranger danger. So this guy, the, the dad, gets on a plane, flies back to Newfoundland for an 18-pound Shih Tzu. I don't know how old the Shih Tzu was. I'm sure it was in the story, but that detail eludes me. And he goes to this guy. They go into the woods by this, this farmer's house. I'm assuming he's a farmer because everybody in Newfoundland is a farmer unless you live in St. John's. And, uh, and so they're, they're out in the woods looking for the Shih Tzu, calling for him, and they're just about to give up. And then they hear this faint little bark, and sure enough, the Shih Tzu comes, and, and they're reunited. Feel good story? Sounds great. Feel good story. Couple of points to consider. First of all, I want your thoughts on it from a theological standpoint. <laughs> that's what we always do. But secondly, the dog's name, get this, Obi. Named after Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's the Rebel Alliance tie-in. Yes, you see yeah. that? So, yeah, so clearly the Jedi powers kept him alive in the wilderness of, <laughs> of Newfoundland in the middle in the dead of winter. But like... Number one, hey, this Shih Tzu like lasted a couple days in the wilderness. So for any of us who thought these like these um, genetically bred purse dogs <laughs> would never last in, in in the real wilderness, hey, Obi did. Can I can I just point out one thing before we even jump into what you just said? Is like you've talked for about five minutes, and I think you've offended more people <laughs> in this why? so far. Why? Making fun of the dog, like yeah, purse do, dog, yeah. purse dog. You destroyed yeah. the entire province of Newfoundland. <laughs> According to SoundCloud, we only have two listeners from Newfoundland, so maybe now, no, maybe none after this. Completely ruined all of the credibility ah. we have in an entire province. And I thought I was going to be the offensive one. No, no, <laughs> so good. So, what do you think of this story? First off, let me just point out on a, on a joking matter. Of course, the dog wouldn't come to them. Dogs who go like. A dog named Obi is going to go in hiding like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> That's right. On the if wilderness, wanted, exactly. in the, in the wilderness uh, planet of Tatooine. If, he, if you wanted him to come there, you have to say hello there. And then the dog will come like, nice. and then, or you have to say, you are a bold one, aren't you? And when then the dog will come, those are my favorite Obi-Wan Kenobi quotes. Yeah. Who, by hello the way, there is, is probably my favorite. Is, is, yeah. Hello there is the best. I have yet, I don't think I've ever once in my life had somebody say hello there to me and not responded with General Kenobi. <laughs> like, I just have to do it. It's one of those things. It's like nice. when you walk through automatic doors. You pretend you're a Jedi and you opened it with your hands. Every, every man born after 1977 does that. Yeah, I agree. Before, I get it. But like, after, 
you do the fingers. Yeah. There's the, the and just like if you're ever pretending to put claws in your hands, you go ching ching ching, like it, like the Wolverine claws. So just so people knew what I was doing. So Chris is super nerdy. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, that's what you've concluded. The the other really thing, like the theological tie-in to that story is there's a, there's a great there's a great like there's a great like analogy of like a man like a leaving his family to go <laughs> nice, find well the lost played. sheep like he's just like he's well chasing after played. he's chasing after like god so did. didn't need so us biblical. didn't so need biblical. the dog but he went and found him because he loved that dog anyway yeah. well let's be honest though if that story gets publicly news hillsong is going to write a song about it <laughs> and it's all going to be about how how worthy and awesome that dog was when let's be honest any dog that's under 50 pounds isn't a dog it's a cat Nice. Don't go save a cat. All right. Like, so now we've successfully transferred the offense back over to your side, <laughs> which I like. And I've done it. There you go. So that's Rebel News. It's a feel-good Rebel News story. If you like feel-good Rebel News stories, send them our way. <laughs> I, I have we, one, we, we have no opposition to uh, to talking about feel-good stories. but can I, can I just throw one other Rebel News? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I just want to give a Pratt update. Like we, uh, Chris Pratt. Boy, boy, How are you doing with getting him on the podcast? <laughs> Not well, no, not well. <laughs> Has he returned any of your calls? No, I Has think, he dropped the restraining order? I No, I think I might be being sued. Like, <laughs> like, 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 like nice. cease and desist from emailing Pratt.com. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he got called out by this Ellen Page actress. I don't know. This was a, like, by the time this is released, that was a while ago. Um, basically saying he goes to a very anti-LGBT, uh, LGBTQ, I can't ever get there, yeah. I can, I'm right, um, church. The funny thing is I was, I originally was going to say this story in terms of like Platt's response was so good. Like, and like, let's, let's say, okay, well that good for him. You know what I mean? yeah. Here's the funny thing, but this is what made me, this is where I want to, Platt goes to Hillsong. <laughs> Chris like, Pratt goes to Hillsong? He goes to the Hillsong in uh, California. That's funny. So if, if Ellen Page is like their anti-LGBTQ. Seriously. What the heck does she think about the rest of us? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Send her, send her something from Tim Bailey. <laughs> listen, listen to episode Ellen Page? All right, guys, listen. I need you to tag Ellen Page in a couple of Tim Bailey posts. Let's just let's just show them show show her that. Uh, like, um, give 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 yeah. Pratt a little bit of softness, yeah. a little bit of grace. Um, don't don't hate him for going to Hillsong. I know there's some. I know some of our very reformed people are probably like, oh, he's not even a Christian, um, <laughs> which we don't know. But but Chris but Chris has a fondness for Chris Pratt, so pray for Chris too. I mean, there's the it's the Chris P thing, right? Like Chris Pratt, Chris Pine, Chris Poots. Like we're yeah. Chris Power, I really like Power. Yeah, he's good. We're guy. all we have to stick together because our parents are kind of cruel. Going crisp, crispy, crispy. Come on now. All right. So, anyway, I, I got a great episode for all of you today. If you haven't been able to tell from the title when you clicked on this episode, um, this episode, "Deep Thoughts with Chris Poots," oh boy, is a is a is a throwback. I don't know how many of you watched uh, Saturday Night Live, where there's "Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy," and uh, and he would always uh, he'd always deliver with some sort of ridiculous uh, thought. But here's the thing: you really set this up well. Yeah, I have. So here's the thing. I'm very, very much aware of some of my shortcomings. <laughs> I deny some of the others. But one of my many shortcomings is that I talk a lot and, uh, and that I'm long-winded. And so um, my wife continually reminds me of how often I talk over Chris on the podcast and how little chance Chris gets to share his deep thoughts. So this episode, starting after the break, 
I am going to play the part of Chris Poots, where I'm just going to do some color commentary. <laughs> and I am going to leave the door wide open for Chris to share some awesome thoughts. And I'm going to get the ball rolling. I'm going to ask you some questions and get, get things going. But uh, this, is, this is a total Chris Poots episode where uh, Nate does not jump in cut off or oh uh, dominate the conversation. Can, can we point out that Chris Boots has nothing to know about <laughs> this in any way, shape, or form? No, it, this is totally me and prompted by my wife, <laughs> who feels very bad for Chris that he always gets the short end of the stick. So she's even said things to me like, when you have guests on, you let them talk. <laughs> so I would not be able to uh, sleep at night if I didn't know that I uh, uh, couldn't give you uh, the platform you deserve. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome for the 16-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Deep Thoughts with Chris Boots. <laughs> Have you checked out the latest at rebelalliancemedia.com? At the bottom of the homepage, you can now sign up to the Rebels mailing list, so you'll never miss an update. On the blogs and articles page, you'll find posts by Erica Van Brimmer and Ben and Andrew Emery as they write about culture, politics, theology, Christian living, and more. There's P-Nate's Eschatology series page and a new members page. There's a shopping page where you can purchase audio files. More stuff will be appearing there soon. Tell your friends to have a look at rebelalliancemedia.com. You can do even more to help the Rebels by clicking the donate button. Interact with the Rebels on Facebook, Twitter, or email. Thanks for listening. Okay, so we're back with this very special episode, Deep Thoughts with Chris Poots. And I'm going to, so Rebel Alliance Media is all about engaging culture with the biblical worldview. So I'm going to throw out some cultural things about Christianity and about culture. And, uh, and Chris is going to uh, share his thoughts on this and I'm going to, I'm going to shut up. So, <laughs> I can't wait. so first one I got to ask. So first one I got to ask, I saw on social media the, the other day, a picture um, shared in a Christian group of a girl wearing a shirt that said oils plus Jesus. <laughs> So, so I got to ask you, essential oil phenomenon, like, and, and the fact that the church is the place where so many people are getting caught up in this essential oil craze. I want to hear your thoughts on it. All right. I got lots. <laughs> um, so one, one now bear in mind, like I'm a middle-aged dude. So like, <laughs> first off, very like, middle-aged, very, like 40 very, plus. I'm not 40 plus, not even 40. Um, let me just clarify that for all of our listeners. One day you'll know, cause Nate will make a huge deal about it. Um, surprise birthday party. Anyway, but hint, I'm kidding. Um, essential oils. So here's the thing with, with anything about this. I'm, I'm probably coming from a bit of like a, like this is stupid mindset in the start, but that's literally how I feel. It's stupid. Here's my, my thing with the, the oils is like, I get it if you're using it to like, you know, make your skin feel smooth and all the, all of those things. That's, that's fine. I understand what you're doing and I understand the phenomenon of it. Here's my problem with it. My problem with it is that people put emphasis on like, oh, I need to do these things with these oils. This isn't even talking about the fact that they're massively expensive and we're just blowing money for no point, no apparent reason. But, um, 
people are putting emphasis on these oils that these are going to make them feel better. That they're going to make them sleep better, that they're going to be healthier. They're going to be all these different things. And there's, and there's good principles in like living a healthy lifestyle. Trust me, you've seen me on the videos. There's some tips I could learn, I'm sure. But I mean, like the point is that you're, you're a lot of people who are using the oils are putting their emphasis on the wrong thing. They're, they're highlighting the effects of the oils when what really changes people, what really makes you feel better, what really gives you joy, what's really going to give you peace, what's really going to give you comfort, what's really going to give you freedom from anxiety, freedom from worry, freedom, freedom from bondage and sin is the gospel. So the question I would have to all those people who are locked into essential oils is what is your purpose there? Why are you using them? And what part of Jesus isn't fulfilling what those oils are fulfilling in your life? Now, having said that, I recognize there are probably people who are like, well, no, I'm just using them because they smell good and they make my house smell good. So I'm going to challenge those people too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the point, here's the, the, the other flip side is like, where in scripture does it, does it command us to blow our money? Where in scripture does it command us to, to be comfortable? Where in scripture does it command us to live a decadent lifestyle? And so like there are people in scripture, we know like Moses was the son of a Pharaoh. He lived a pretty haughty lifestyle until he chose not to. King David became a king and clearly as a king, Solomon, his wealth was beyond beauty mm-hmm. uh, or beyond beauty, beyond measure. Yep. There's nothing wrong with having success and there's nothing wrong with having nice things. My point is, is that nobody's giving you the essential oils. You're going out and buying these essential oils. Where, where else could that money be going? You know, to the poor, to the hungry. And I say this knowing that I blow money in other areas. And if you see those other areas, call me on them because all things need to be put under the foot of Christ, including your essential oils. <laughs> so now that all the ladies have stopped, <laughs> our sale guys say, what about deodorant? <laughs> let me, let me say there's a caveat to deodorant. I, I agree with you. We shouldn't probably spend as much money on it to do it, but we do that just so that people want to still talk to us. <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So good. Um, another, I would say, so cultural thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pulling these from just some things that we haven't talked about as much recently. I have no idea what, like, you're, what you're Oh, talking, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris, is, Chris has no idea what I'm going to hit him with, which is often what, the way we do it the other way. You, you hit me with something and throw me. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've offended all the female listeners. Okay, <laughs> now nice. offend all the male listeners. Sure. No, I, seriously, though, you have, you, have a, you have a pretty um, balanced view on this. And I know when we've talked to um, Tim Bailey and stuff like that, um, you know, you loved most of what he said, but you took exception a little bit with some of the things he said about like video games and stuff. So you're a pretty balanced guy. You do play video games, but I think you have a pretty ba- balanced view on things. So talk to me a little bit about video gaming, sure. gaming, um, movies, like that kind of stuff. Like let, let talk a little bit about the theological implications of our entertainment culture in terms of videos, TV, Netflix, video games, that stuff. Awesome. Love it. So here, here's where I would, where I would, argue from a, a pro video game standpoint in terms of Christianity. It's unrealistic to think we can John Piper our lives and have no fun. Like, and that's a stereotype. If you, if you aren't aware of John Piper, you think of him and you think he, he's probably got zero downtime. He wakes up at dawn, he works for the gospel the entire day and then sleeps. It, it is probably unlikely that anybody who's listening to this podcast, including us does that at certain, at certain points we do rest certain points. We, you know, I can't be out and out. I don't sleep very often. So, um, we can't be out in like pubs at night. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure we could, but I mean, like 
we're home. You know yeah. what I mean? And there's nothing to do. And to be honest, I have a hard time reading something serious after a certain time of night because my mind goes blurry. Yeah. So the reason I'm saying that is to it's like I, I realize that there are better uses of our time and there are better things that we could be doing. And so the first challenge I would say in terms of like these entertainment things like Netflix, like uh, video games, movies, all this stuff is all things have to be in their proper place. So if you're, if the first challenge I would say, I would say they're a bad thing to be doing. If you're not serving in your church, if you're turning down, serving, serving the gospel, doing things ministry wise, your homework, all those other things that you have, like your job, your homework responsibilities, exactly to do these things. If that's the case, put them under the feet of Jesus, get rid of them, cut it off. The, again, I don't know exactly where it is, but the analogy would be like, it's better to enter the kingdom of heaven crippled than Not enter all. it with all of these toys with you, with yeah. video, all the movies you've watched. If they're causing you to not do your devotions, if they're causing you to do, to not serve, to not, um, you know, do the things we're called to do, make disciples, look after the poor, all those things. If, if Netflix and video games are causing you to do those things, eradicate them from your lives. That's obvious. I think we can all get on board with that. Now we have to look at the other side, which is like, well, okay, well, what happens if I am doing those things or if I'm trying, like we could always be better, but we're trying to do those things. But these are something I use to fill in those, those free, the free time, like watching sports or watching movies. How do I keep them in place? So let me, let me, let me expose why I play, why I, why I choose video games more often than movies or, or a fiction book or what, or not. And here's the reason is because I can completely control a video game. So a game, I can, I can one, know the content because they can't, like if the, I can buy a game and I know the rating of the game. I also know I can read reviews on the game so I know if there's anything in the game that's going to turn me away from Jesus, that's going to directly cause me to stumble in any way. Same with a movie, but a movie, it's real life. It's real visuals. Like you can't, like I think you've said it before, you can't fake nudity. Right. You can't fake... Really, they can fake violence, but it still looks real, like yep. real violence. Whereas a Your video mind game interprets it as exactly right. Like in, in, whereas in a video game, animated, it's animated. It's usually aliens. It's things that it's just so far fiction, fantasy that it's not even real life. And in a book, as you're reading the book, I don't know. Like a book's telling you a narrative. Like all good books, any good book is telling you a narrative inside the narrative. And that inside narrative, I might not become aware of that until I'm 300 pages into the book and my mind's dwelling on that. So hmm. I, I say the video games are the safer of the three avenues. Interesting. If that, make, if that makes sense. Um, and then the other thing with like Netflix and all that stuff, yes, I can stop Netflix and yes, I can turn Netflix off, but I can't unchange what I, why I stopped watching it. So like if I was watching a show, um, here's, a, here's a great example. I'll be vulnerable on the podcast. Um, I was watching... Uh, a movie, a great, a good movie, spoiler alert, um, a movie called, um, the quiet place. So if you haven't, if you haven't mm. seen that, stop listening now. Um, and in that, in that, uh, movie, there's nothing sexual. There's nothing like, I don't even think there's a curse word in the whole movie. They don't really speak in the whole movie. It's like, that's kind of the premise, but you see the, you see one of the kids die at the very beginning. You can't unsee that. And he was like, now, does that affect me going? No, I know it's Hollywood. No, he's not really dead in real life. But the scene, I can't, you can't unsee that scene once you've seen it. Right. Whereas in a video game, I know that scene's coming up. You know what I mean? I can, I can control it. I can just pause the game and stop it. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, so in that, 
the other side, sorry, I'm going on a long no, no, this is the other, good. the other thing is that, um, games are not as evolved as shows and games are not as, as just simply put, they're not as well made. So the writers of games, they're not trying to tell a political view. Every show on Netflix right now, yeah. for the most part, Seriously. is trying to teach you, is trying to teach you something. And the truth is they're trying to teach you something that's different than the gospel. And they're trying to portray, you know, a political worldview, uh, uh, pro light, a pro choice or a pro LGBTQ lifestyle. Even if it's a show, even if it's a show about like an alien race struggling to fit in, well, what is that an, an allegory for? Well, immigration and like right. things like, like they're trying to show that because that's, it's being created by people who have an agenda. Video games have one agenda. Yes, they're being created by people, but their one agenda is to make money. And so they're not actually like the story in the video game isn't really there. Like I play FIFA, you know what I mean? It's soccer. You know right. what I mean, I play MLB baseball. The, the, the objective in that story is not trying to teach me a narrative story. It's try story. to hit home runs. It's try to hit, it's try to make the Blue Jays win the World Series and I fail. Um, <laughs> just like, like the real Jays. Just like the real Jays. But I mean like. So they're even realistic. Exactly. You know? <laughs> like, I'm, I, you're, like you can tr- control the narrative right, right. is what yeah, I'm yeah. trying to say. And yep. that was a long way to say I'm pro. They're not bad. They're not bad. And, and the other things like. Uh, they get a real bad rap because they expose violence, but like every show on Netflix exposes violence or sexuality. So do our schools. So do, so does history class. The Bible's the most violent book I've ever read. Right. Ex- exposing violence isn't a, isn't a problem. Glorifying violence is a problem. Right. And you watch the show. You know, you watch a movie like Lone Survivor where it makes Navy SEALs look like these amazing humans and they're heroes because they do courageous things and they're willing to lay down their lives for freedom or their country. I don't, I don't have a problem with that, but the problem is it glorifies the lifestyle of it where it's like, no, this is, this is actually a tragedy that we need men yeah. like this. Right. And so that's nice. Well done. All right. So, um, many of most of our listeners probably know this, but you never get a chance to talk. So they might not know <laughs> <laughs> you lead worship. You. So you lead the worship ministry at, uh, at crossroads. Um, and, uh, reluctantly <laughs> and, uh, you, so I, and we, we kind of live in this kind of weird place. I, I feel like the rebels are, are kind of in this weird place because we were certainly reformed. Um, but there, I would say that there's a lot of, um, and maybe some people would say we're cranky. We're cranky about some things, but, um, they're more cranky than I am. Am I? I? I think so. I never used to be that way. What happened? I, I don't I know. Kids. I think I, maybe I'm getting Malakoy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, <clears throat> I would say that generally speaking, the young restless and reformed movement, right? The, 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 the young reformed resurgence, um, get, gets pretty cranky about, um, worship, worship songs, um, uh, there's a there's a movement sort of back to psalm onlyism, right? That we only sing the psalms, um, and uh, and even I find myself. So I'm the pastor, and you're the worship leader. That I find myself like um, pushing more of the psalms and the hymns, and you find a lot more kind of modern worship music. And all the songs you've introduced have been great um, so far. <laughs> so far, um, and uh, but so my, I, I just want to hear you talk a little bit about. Him, him onlyism, psalm onlyism, like how you pick worship songs, um, and sort sure. of that, like not being a grumpy reformer 
you know, within a reformed movement. So we're trying to be reformed and we want our songs to be reformed, um, but not getting cranky about it and boycotting anything that's like Hillsong or whatever. Um, so just talk a little bit about that. Now, spoiler, like, uh, not a spoiler, but just uh, you you recently did a, a quick unpopular opinion about this, but here's an opportunity for you to flesh that out a little bit. Beautiful, because that was actually very unpopular. Um, <laughs> was it? Within our church. <laughs> nice. So, um, not, not specific. A couple people challenged because... Uh, here, here's the here's the truth with worship. Like I, before we get into it, I'll, I'll bunny trail just for a second. Is there are certain churches that their worship is sometimes really really good, and sometimes don't say things that I would sing, or don't say don't propo- like profess what I would say I I would affirm. And there's a tendency, particularly in our reform like circle of being like, if they've ever done anything wrong, blacklist them completely. And I'm like, or they take where it's like, okay, well, the pastor at this church said this this time, therefore all of the things that he's ever done have to be eradicated. Right. And I'm like, and I can't get there. So um, I say that bunny trail because I would say, like Hillsong is who everyone's thinking about when I'm saying this, is I'd be like, I don't affirm what Hillsong teaches. But a lot of their worship songs, I'm totally fine with. Yeah, you introduced "Man of Sorrows" um, to the to the church not that long ago, and I remember being blown away that that was even a Hillsong song because I think it's so solid. Yeah, there's the the ones I I often like. I actually emailed the the congregation member who pushed back on this, and I said, "Here are the three songs that I sing that I particularly choose and that are on my like my rotation of songs." from Hillsong that I can openly think of. And I would say, um, it was man of sorrows, cornerstone and Oh, praise the name. Oh, um, I didn't know that was them too. And that's all three are Hillsong worship songs. Now, interesting that you brought up the song things. All three are Psalms that have been like chorus, like verses made around a, like a chorus. That's part of a Psalm. And so I'm like, I think that's the answer for the later part. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, let me just get there. Where, in terms of the, let me actually answer your question now because I was sort of bunny jelling. Um, I'm not a Psalm onlyist, onlyist because I, I, interesting enough, I think I think we need to sing the Psalms, and I I I'm actually on board with when you when you put when you propose that we start singing Psalms at our church. We've tried; it's hard, um, but we're working on it. Um, I think that's something that needs to be in our service because that's inspired word of God. Yep. And I think we need to sing the inspired word of God. I think we need to be people who lift up all of God's attributes and the Psalms have a, be- a beautiful way of doing that. Mm-hmm. They sing about his wrath, which is not something modern worship songs write about because I'm not a, I'm not a lyricist, but if I'm going to sit down and, and and write about my experience with God, I've been saved from wrath. You know what I mean? So I'm going to think I'm I'm am t- prone to think of God's mercy, God's love, God's because those are the attributes I feel the most from Him all the time. You know what right. I mean? Like, could I write about His His wrath theologically? Hopefully, you know what I mean. And I think we could write songs that do that. It's just a lot harder, right. and it's harder to put. It's harder to sing a worship song singing about people getting destruction. Trust me, I've sung a song where it talks about yeah. dashing babies on a on a rock. That's hard yeah. to sing. I remember even the first time you guys sang, here I am jumping in, my wife's going to kill fine. me. That's fine. Uh, Psalm 2. I remember you guys singing Psalm 2 and it talks about like dashing them to pieces and pounding them into dirt, right? Talking very about the peppily. nations. Very <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, it's very peppy. We do the uh, My Soul Among Lions uh, version of it and it's, 
Um, and I remember like, and I, I would not say I'm timid towards these things. I would say theologically I'm right there. And yet I remember the, the feeling of like, wow, we're, we're singing this, right? Like here we go kind of thing. And, uh, and if I felt that, I imagine even more of our people feel that. And so I, I get the angst. I, I do yeah. get it, but I feel like that's, that's an issue with me, not with the song. Yeah. So I, I would say, I think that's, I, so on one hand, I'm like, that is something we need to be doing. I, I can't get to the point where we say that's the only thing we need to be doing yep. because one, the, the, the verse in Ephesians says Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, which means there's something that's not a Psalm that we're supposed to sing or do in our services and spiritual songs. And here, the other thing is like Jody Killingsworth actually said this on the podcast and it, it never left me, yeah, it stuck when, he, me too. when he said, um, if you only sung the Psalms, you would never sing the name of Jesus. And because we're on this side of the cross, we I want, sing I want, exactly. Jesus. I want yeah. to sing like, um, interesting enough about the, that thing, speaking about Hillsong, the song, beautiful name is a song I won't sing. Um, mm-hmm. so like it's, it's a song that our church has done. And then we remove from our, Rotation, our kind of our yeah. repertoire repertoire because it says some things that we wouldn't say we we agree with it's not a bad song it doesn't push anybody away from the gospel but it doesn't say what we would affirm right so we don't sing it but the the chorus what a beautiful name it is i love the chorus and i would love to be able to rope that into another song you know what i mean um so it's it's kind of where i'm going with this is that i think i think there's a tendency to to throw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of, of terms of worship in terms of like songs, my challenge to people, and this is what I was kind of saying on the video, is the author doesn't matter. So there is no there is no song that's been written, including Amazing Grace, including um, Mighty Fortress by Ma- Martin Luther, including all the great hymns, all the great songs that have lasted and stood the test of time. None of them are inspired word. Not one of them are gospel. Not one of them are God breath perfect words right because they're not scripture or and or else they would be in the canon if you're singing if you're a church that sings the book of romans to to music (laughs) teach me how and i'll start doing that right um but i haven't i don't have those songs yet what i have is what we what we've been given and what has stood the test of time so that's why one i will sing hymns because they've stood the test of time but i still judge hymns the same way i judge modern music songs do these lyrics line up with the vision and the direction that i believe that I one that I believe is is accurate with the scriptures. Two that lines up with what my elders and my pastors' vision of the, of our worship and our church experience is supposed to be like. And I hate using words like experience. No, no, but I get but what it. I mean in terms of like, do these songs speak to what's being spoke about on Sunday that's morning? Right, yeah, and do I they think, serve the text exactly. And that and that's I think this is where Hillsong Elevation Bethel have missed the boat with a lot of their worship songs is that their songs are, the song is the primary focus. Whereas I think like hopefully at Crossroads and hopefully at many of our churches, the worship is, is to basically stir up the affections that we've, our mind has been challenged with. So pre the service, like, so pre when you sermon, um, my, my goal and my intention is to, Take what I, th- what, cause we get like, obviously we know what you're going to speak on. Um, take what you're going to speak on and we hope to unpack and we start getting people's minds thinking about those things because I've heard it been said that 
uh, worship is basically like praying twice because you're thinking about the words and then your heart is what's belting it out if it's authentic. And so it's like praying twice, like praying with your mind and your heart at the same time. That's what makes worship so awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I want to do is I want to stir up people's affections for what they're going to hear. And then after the sermon, well, that should speak specifically to what was said because I want now people to praise God for For, whatever, for what was done in in the sermon. So like we're not doing songs for the sake of the song. We're doing songs, hopefully that fit with the sermon. So I could care less who wrote the song because if it affirms what we're being taught. And then again, this pushes back to the, the teacher. You can only do this at a church that you trust your teacher. Right. You know what I mean? Cause if like, if somebody just walked up and started speaking heresy, I'm not going to have any songs for that. You know what I mean? Like um, songs of rebuke. Here we go. <laughs> songs of rebuke. Uh, we're going to sing enter Sandman. Um, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, because we don't have that. So lyrics are what, are yeah. what matter. And that's why I, like I push back on this whole reformed, like anti hill song thing. I, there was an article a friend sh- shared with me this week where it was like, Brian Houston's dad was a pedophile. And so therefore I, I didn't know that until this article either, but I started being like, Oh man. And I'm like, obviously that's a terrible thing, but that doesn't make man of sorrows any less of a true song mm. that because Brian Houston, who didn't right. write the song, by the way, um, his worship people wrote the song, um, doesn't make it any less of a powerful song. So I wouldn't blacklist singing a Hillsong song based on the fact that Brian Houston has sin in his life. Right. Because the truth is, your pastor has sin in, his, in right. his life. He has an area, your worship person singing that song has areas of sin in their lives right. that disqualify them if we're going to judge them based on being perfect is the only way we're going to sing right. their songs. John Newton was a slave trader, and he wrote Amazing Grace, right. basically talking about how God has forgiven him for being a terrible human. Yeah. And well, and, I mean, let, let's be honest, David, right? Adulterer, murderer, right? Solomon wrote exactly. inspired word of God, had 300 wives, 700 <laughs> concubines, allowed his wives to set up altars to false gods in the nation of Israel, right? Even you think back to ha- uh, hymns, you think John Wesley, like father of Wesleyanism, um, you know, very, very much taught and certainly from his teaching was even born a kind of sinless perfectionism, which we would call heresy. And yet we sing a lot of his hymns, right? So yeah, the idea that, uh, that we we uh, the author needs to be divorced from sin is just an unbiblical thought in general. So then it becomes okay. Well, where's the line, right? Where's yeah. where's the the line where suddenly well that person's too bad of a sinner, right? And so and I think in our in I'm our it, well and I think <laughs> in in our reform circle I think it's like it's because people are so quick to call into question the salvation of somebody who goes to a bad church or has bad theology. And I think uh, quite honestly, I mean. Um, you and I were both saved in charismatic churches, right? Where we would say there are a lot, there are a whole lot of really dangerous, unbiblical teachings, and yet we're we're saved in the context. Yours wasn't a charismatic church, but a charismatic parachurch, I guess, yeah. ministry. And uh, and I would just say, you know, if God can't use sinners or people with bad theology, then um, <laughs> we're all in trouble. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think to answer that question, you kind of brought up the the next. Sorry, this is a long one because I just dealt with this. Yeah, um, so I asked. <laughs> so um, there is a time where, like, there's always an exception that proves a rule. Like, right, like we can always fall off, as as we always say, fall off the ledge either way. We can be too strict on it or we can be too liberal with it. Yep. My, my rule on that is if, if a song or music that goes with a song cannot be separated mentally from the, from the new lyrics. So for instance, our church does, I do a version of uh, amazing grace to the, to the tune of house of the rising sun. 
Yeah. <laughs> because I love the song House of the Rising Sun when the words are, are Amazing Grace. I think it fits perfectly. It's really fun. The first time we did it, we got really like, a lot of people were like, oh, it was neat to see you guys do that. So we did it pre-service again yeah. another another time. And then somebody actually was like, yeah, it's really good, but like I have a hard time worshiping to it. And I was like, oh, well, why? It's Amazing Grace. And they were like, well, because it reminds me too much of House of the Rising Sun. My mind can't get those lyrics mm. out of my head. And so that's where I would say like, and this can be applied in a whole bunch of different ways. If I was to sing a Hillsong song, if Hillsong got to the point where people could not disassociate what they're singing from the heresies that are being expound, right. expunged, then I would have to stop singing Hillsong. Just like I would have to stop singing like whoever whoever was, like Corey Ashford or whoever the song was. If their heresy, it could no longer be separated from those two right. things. Um, whereas currently, I don't think that's the case with Hillsong. Right. Um, I think they, they get a really, really bad rap in, in areas. Some of Just, it deserved. Justifiably but, in a yeah. lot in a lot of those areas. But some of their worship songs, I don't care that they make tons of money off of it. That's something that like I'm not really I'm not gonna like the, that's one of those things where it's like I can't really be upset about that, you know what I mean? Um, now I got challenged. I, sorry, I'm just going. keep going. No, yeah. Um, another little thing is like the the other the other challenge is the CCLI like with worship. We do actually our churches pay to sing these songs, so when we sing them, Hillsong does get money for our churches singing these songs, and Hillsong is just who I'm using. It's all of them. Yep. And so somebody was like, "Yeah, but you're you're funding their ministry now." because you're singing their songs. And I'm like, okay. okay, okay, I see where you're going with that. And you know what? I'm openly on the podcast saying that's probably, that's something I'm going to have to wrestle with. But here was my, here's my initial response to that as big. Um, and this will probably open up a whole bunch of other questions for you <laughs> is by that rationale that I'm going to stop singing a song at our church just for the fact that Hillsong gets a percentage of the money through CCLI and through the download of the original time we downloaded the song. If I was to apply that rationale consistently, and this is, I have a big problem with inconsistent people in the world. And I think this is why we get so about the liberals and the Democrats, yeah. because it's just inconsistent worldview. Right. If we were to apply that, a consistent worldview doing that principle where we're like, we're not going to fund this ministry, that would mean Christians would have to stop paying taxes. We'd have to stop paying our hydro bill. We would have to stop paying utilities, Rogers, stop buying Starbucks, McDonald's. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, basically any product that we haven't grown yep, ourselves. You'd be making your own soap. Yep. You can't pay your mortgage because you get property tax, by the way. Um, so basically stop paying every bill and live completely outside the realm of... Right. Off the grid. Of, yeah, and exactly. Yeah. And maybe, and and to be honest, there's probably a part, a part of us where we actually started wrestling. It might be time for us to stop paying taxes. It might be time for us to stop giving money to the government who is funding yeah. abortions. Right. But until funding. we're ready to do that. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not willing to, because, because that's where our money goes when we give them to these companies. And, but we're not willing to play the same consistent worldview in that area, but we'll do it when it comes to our worship songs, which is like, let's be honest, Hillsong is not as bad as the liberal government. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not the same. Like I wouldn't sing a Joel Olstein song because I actually believe he is a wolf. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas like, I think there's people in Hillsong who are regenerate 
they're just very much in error. Right. You know, does it make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. no, that's so. good. That's good. Okay, last last thing I wanted to ask you because <laughs> uh, so you got to do this one quick. You got to do this one quick. Sure. Who knew Chris had so much to say? If I didn't cut him off all the time, we'd we you uh, got on the one thing I yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I can well, talk that's about. why. That, well, I mm. felt like I, I I wanted to hear your thoughts on that because I wanted to to give you a chance to expand uh, uh, expand it. Anyway, okay, last thing because one of the things that maybe some of our listeners don't know is you're probably one of the most faithful. Um, so I'll, I'll toot Chris's horn for a little bit. You're probably one of the most faithful, um, workplace evangelists that I know you've done. A, you've done a good job, um, at, 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 um, any job that you've been at. And there've been a few, uh, <laughs> there's my pot shot in the midst of, that's the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the sandwich, the, uh, the, cr- uh, the criticism sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, say one nice thing, yeah, yeah. destroy them yeah. and on a positive. <laughs> no, no, but in all, in all, in all honesty, so Chris, Chris does this really, really, really well. And, Thanks. um, and so I would say give our listeners a couple of your like Chris Poots top tips <laughs> for uh, being an evangelist at work because there are a lot of companies that are really hostile to Christian proselytization in their workplace. And this is something that's awkward. It's hard. It's it's difficult for people to get out of their comfort zone. So give us like Chris Poot's top five tips or whatever for how to be a workplace evangelist. Okay. So so first thing is there's no there's no silver bullet. There's no like Dang. do these five <laughs> things and you're going to be everyone's going to ask you about Jesus. And you're going to have water cooler conversations all the time. the the main The main thing I think um, that I've learned over time, and I would say this like I haven't always done this well, is your life has to be consistent with what people what Christianity is. So and when I say that I mean like the world the 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 underlying lie that that Christians have told themselves is that the world knows nothing about Christianity. And it's not true. They know what we they particularly know what we stand against, but they also do they do hold us to a higher standard. And so they they hold us to a much higher standard because they know that we're all about love and we're all about mercy and we're all about forgiveness. They might not understand why we are all about those things. Or they might not define them correctly, but... But they, they do hold us to a higher standard. So therefore, we have to basically try to be perfect. And now, I said it in a very hard way because I'm not perfect and I'm, I screw up every single day. But the thing is, like when I go to, when I go to work in the morning and when a, a good a Christian, a Christian vocationalist, I would say, goes to work every morning, two things should be present in their mind. One, that they're a sinner saved by grace and that they don't deserve anything that they've been given. So preach the gospel to yourself every single morning when you go into the work. Second is, remember, and this is a, this is a fundamental thing. David Platt actually changed my world when he said, when he actually was in Radical when I read it the first time. But um, he basically says that um, it's, it's, God is sovereign, which means you, you have, there's no accident for why you're where you are. And if God is sovereign, that means you're working with the people God wants you to be working with at that time in your, at that time in your life, which means that your vocation isn't your job because as, as Spurgeon said, there is no such, like every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. We just always think missionary overseas. So if therefore, if I'm working in a place where God has ordained me to be sovereignly at this time in my life, and if I'm actually a Christian, that means I'm a missionary. That means my job is my mission. Does that make sense? Yep. So therefore, my job is the, is the tent-making part of my actual job. My actual job is to be on mission. So to set up the, like, well, what do you do at that point? I have to, what, you, what you can do in your job is going to be different than what I can do in my job. But here's the five quick, <laughs> five quick things that I would say is, one, be the best at your job. 
work harder than anyone anyone else at your at your work. And and again, I say this like it's awkward to say this because I'm actually talking about, but like what I'm saying is every single day strive to do your job better than everyone else can do it. And I don't mean that in a prideful way. What I mean is like try to outdo yourself. Like at the end of the day, be the best steward you can be of your of your work. Why? Because you're being paid to be there. And this is something I, it took me a long time to grasp that I don't take sick days unless you have to, like, don't be a, don't like, yeah. don't get everybody sick. But I mean, yeah. like, don't be what the world expects everyone to be. Right. Be the person who's on time. Be the person who's don't. apologizing, asking for forgiveness when don't they're late. Don't be on Facebook. Don't be on Instagram. Don't be exactly. on Twitter. Like don't, yeah. Do what you're paid to do. Yeah. Do it well and do it as, as hard as you can. Ask questions, be willing to be corrected. And be willing to be passed over if like promotions come and you don't get them. Be willing to be don't get bitter. Those, yeah. Don't get bitter. Don't be. Don't join in in the hate of your company. Mm. You know what I mean? That's a huge one. Exactly, it's a huge because like if you're the positive person, you're the po- like be this be the steward because one, if you're not, it's theft. And like, we don't like to think about the fact that if I'm wasting time at work, I'm stealing. But we are, and stealing is a sin. And so now Jesus didn't directly address that one in the Beatitudes, but the same principle applies. If I think about being lazy, I'm being lazy. Right. You know what I mean? Because I'm taking. The, so like, be be a good sir. That's the first. That's the first thing. Second thing is be open to, be willing to be like, be willing to ask for forgiveness of your coworkers. Hmm. So it's kind of an awkward one because they like the world doesn't really understand. I'm sorry, I did this wrong. Can you forgive me? So example, you take a 35 minute lunch. Nobody's going to say anything about it. Like, I don't know. You might have an hour lunch, but I mean like if, if, you're you, lunch, have if, you, if you have a 30 minute lunch and you're five minutes late, nobody in your workplace is going to say boo about that. Most likely, They're, especially if it's a once off thing. But how, how do you, how do you be a Christian in your workplace? You repent of it. You go to your, I'm sorry. Just a quick message, just a quick like walk up and talk. I'm sorry that I did this. Be why one it disarms people. Two shows that what you what you're believing is authentic. I'm generally sorry for for what I'm doing. So that's that's another really qu- quick thing that sets us apart in our work in our workplaces. And then simple, simply the 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 last three I would say I probably should have only said three. Now that I'm thinking, the last three I said I, five. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I kind of cornered you. I'm, do, I'm trying to do the Piper thing, but I, my mind doesn't work as good as his. Um, you're on mission, but your mission isn't isn't to convert people. So people like our mission is to make disciples. Which the first the first tenet of making disciples to, is to teach them. God is responsible for the results. I'm responsible for the obedience to plant the seed. So what does that look like in a, in a job place where I have to be a good steward of my time? Well, the good news is if you're doing those things, people are going to start asking about Christianity. It's going to happen because the other thing, I should have said this one first, like don't be ashamed of the gospel. I think most people who aren't good Christian evangelists at work, it's because their Christian coworkers don't know they're a Christian. Hmm. When you're like, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, it was good. I went out with my friends on Saturday night and then I watched football on Sunday afternoon. Where's the most important thing you did that's that weekend, which was go to church on Sunday morning. I sang in the worship band on Sunday morning. So highlight, like tell, don't be ashamed to tell, to say those things because those will lead to other questions. Um, so you can ask those, those questions. Don't be afraid to talk about Jesus. If Jesus is the most precious thing to you, and it should be, if you're actually like, if you, <laughs> that if sounds actually a Christian, if yeah. no, but I mean like if, 
If Jesus is, is got the proper place in your heart, you're gonna need you're gonna need to talk about him because it's all you're wanting to think about. It's all you're wanting to 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 think about and dwell on. So it should be quick to come to your tongue. Does that make sense? Like if it's not if it's not quick to come to your tongue, if it's not something that you're quick to get to, there's a problem there that you need to deal with, right? So and right. because he is should be the most precious and most important thing in our lives. And so second, so like with that, I would just basically say, be, be somebody who's willing to not be ashamed of the gospel, to not be ashamed of the fact that like, that might mean you get, um, like, like a close friend of mine shunned at their work because their work is very, very liberal, but you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to suffer that. Second thing is you have to be willing to like the, the fourth thing or fifth thing I'm on. Now Point number ten, whatever it is. What, it doesn't matter. Another way to be a good Christian, like vocationalist in work, is to recognize that um, every conversation. And this is this is just a good one. Every conversation doesn't need to go right to the gospel. It just needs to bring you to the foot of the cross. Like every conversation you're in can be directed towards the cross. If that makes sense. Like um, you're talking about, you know, whatever. You don't have to all of a sudden be like, but Jesus did, and like getting to this like whole long thing because people don't like that generally. But every conversation can be brought and under the cross. You like, like you can start bringing everything to the foot of the cross. I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> this is why Pooty doesn't get to talk that much. <laughs> yeah, um, we, well, we talk a lot about putting stones in people's shoes, right? Yeah. And and making them think about either their own inconsistencies or or talking about the gospel in a way that isn't uh, immediately pushing somebody to a decision or whatever. Like, just be about the gospel. Talk a lot about the gospel. Um, and it doesn't mean that everything has to come to like an altar call, right? But it's but it's just yeah yeah. I remember where like I was that. going with that. Go ahead. Point five. Point five. And <laughs> this is this is the key. This is the key one. You have to love the. You have to love people. Right. Um, and so what I mean, like, I worked at a big a big organization for many years that was very good at pretending they loved. I'm not going to say their name just because they'll they'll sue the rebels. Um, but was very good at pretending they loved people but didn't love people. Mm. And so therefore the people who worked in there were very good at being fake and very good at like not genuinely caring about people's lives, about what's going on with them as, as a Christian in your workplace, you should, you should be the person who care. Like you need to, you need to genuinely care about your people, not because of what they give you, not because you want to convert them, but generally because you want to love them. Right. And so what does that look like? It looks like asking how, how are you doing? Right. How was your weekend? What's going on with you? When you notice that they seem upset, are you okay? You know what I mean? Like just little things like, and everybody, like I said, everybody's workplace is different, but like there's a, that famous song, which is probably written by a heretic, but they'll know we were Christians because of our love. Mm-hmm. The idea of like people will know and people will, will forgive our shortcomings the more love we show them. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? I work with, I work with, I have worked with in the past people who very openly live a lifestyle that I very openly on this podcast denounce, but they wouldn't know that the way I, by the way I treat them. Does that make sense? Like I I still treat them with all the respect and all the love that I treat somebody who I sit beside in the pew on Sunday. You know what I mean? Like I, I treat them the same as I treat everybody else because I treat them with love. Hopefully, you know what I mean? Now I'm not perfect. I still screw up all the time. Um, and that's, and I think that's the, once we, once you get that idea that you're not, you're not there to convert them. You're there to love them. And God is like, which is to show them God's love and God will, God will do the converting. Right. You know I mean, and, and I think that's, I mean, that's consistent with what we see in the gospels in terms of Jesus saying really hard things to people 
and yet they could never accuse him of not being loving because there's almost tension in, in trying to reconcile how he's treating them with what he's saying to them. And that's how they see that, that condemning homosexuality, condemning transgenderism is actually loving when our, our disposition towards them is actually one of love, right? So we're saying hard things to them while going above and beyond, like putting their needs above our own, serving them, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, all right. So there's deep thoughts with Chris Poots. We'll do that again. Yeah, that was good, that was good. Um, that was, uh, so there you go. Um, so Chris doesn't always get to talk, so we gave him uh, a platform to talk all the time. I, I, talk, I talk plenty. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and just uh, in terms of the last thing about workplace evangelism, it's a good time if you missed either of them to go back and check out the uh, podcast with Corey McKenna from The Cross Current a couple of weeks ago uh, where he talked about personal evangelism and stuff that dovetails really well with, uh, with what Chris just shared. Uh, but we are the Rebels. That's Chris Poots. Make sure you share the episode. Uh, subscribe. Share us with a friend. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you.